How's that for an opening line of a sermon? Everyone wanted, anyone in public places, they wanted you to put up signs telling people how to wash their hands. I completely understand the value of washing your hands. I wash my hands a lot. There's nothing worse than when you walk into a public restroom and like some guy walks out of the stall or away from the urinal and just walks right out the door. You're just, I want to say that's never happened in this church, but maybe a time or two. So I'm like, well, when I greet people, there's a couple people I might avoid, but that, uh, so I want you to know I wash my hands a lot, but I never thought I'd see the day when we would have to tell adults to do something that they should have learned back in kindergarten. And uh, folks, if you've never learned this, let's go ahead and cover it and get it out of the way. It's from the CDC website. So here's how you wash your hands. You get water, you get soap, you scrub, you rinse, and you dry it. Don't say that you've never learned anything in church. (laughs) And so it might seem common sense, but this is also from the CDC website. Look, keys to washing your hands. You can help yourself, your loved ones stay safe by washing your hands often. And again, I'm not making fun of washing your hands because we should wash our hands. I don't want you to misunderstand me. But here's what it says. It says, wash them before, during, and after preparing food, before and after eating food, before and after caring for someone at home who is sick with vomiting or diarrhea. This is from their website. I'm teaching you all kinds of things. Before, after treating a cut or a wound, after using the toilet. After changing diapers or cleaning up a child who has used the toilet. After blowing your nose, coughing or sneezing. After touching an animal, animal feed or animal waste. After handling pet food or pet treats. After touching the garbage. Okay? So this is from the website. Everybody, we're on the same page here. Okay? And here is the way you should wash your hands. Number one, you wet your hands with clean running water, warm or cold. Two, you lather your hands by rubbing them together with soap. Lather the backs of your hands, including your fingernails and under your nails. And scrub your hands for at least 20 seconds, and they even give you a, a, a little point of a, a tip here, a pro tip. When you wash, you should hum the song, Happy Birthday. Has anyone heard this before? Man, so that's the part I didn't have. I did learn that from the CDC website, Happy Birthday. I, I was good up until that point. I was like, man, this re- that revolutionizes my life. So I had to try it because I'm analytical. And so I washed my hands. Guys, I need to apologize to you because I probably have not washed my hands for the length of the whole Happy Birthday song. I probably cut it about a line short is what I, my average is. And, but then I thought, well, happy birthday. Is this like happy birthday for like a famous person and you bring in a famous person to sing it for them? Or is this happy birthday like at a one-year-old birthday party and you have a small amount of time where it's like happy birthday to you, happy birthday. I think it's just kind of happy birthday to you. Now you're all going to do this today. When you leave, when you wash your hands or when you're still here in the restroom, Try and sing that happy birthday song, and it'll be weird, though, because people will be in the church foyer, and they're going to hear beautiful songs emanating from the restrooms. <laughs> like, hi, welcome to Refuge Church. Is it your first time here? Happy birthday to you from the restrooms. People are going to be like, you know what? I'm going to try a different church. This morning, I want to preach on this topic, lessons learned. From winter hands. You see, because with COVID, we've now added hand sanitizer to the list. Because, you know, that's just a quick way to do what you're hopefully doing with soap. And, and we want to keep our hands clean and safe. And as, as soon as COVID hit, I went ahead and I was like, we need to be proactive. I got on the websites. I tried to get wall-mounted hand sanitizing stations. I tried to order like six of them. And I called and I looked on every single website that I could humanly know is available to us. And I found out that the best I could find, they were on back order like six to eight months. And so that's why you get these little pump stations in different places. And there even became a black market for hand sanitizing stations. One guy was on the news. He bought all the hand sanitizer 
from, that he could find from Amazon. And they showed him his whole garage, top to bottom. Anybody see this story? No? Yeah, a couple of you. This guy had hand sanitizing. Everybody's mad. I'm like, gosh, the guy's kind of brilliant, I think. I don't know. But he was, he was, his whole garage was filled with hand sanitizing stations. He was selling them at much higher price than what they were selling for online. And uh, if one good thing comes out of COVID, hopefully it's this, adults will start washing their hands. <laughs> but now we're in winter, and this past week, we didn't just have winter, we had a polar vortex winter. And if people weren't already depressed enough about COVID, now we get to deal with air so cold that you breathe in through your nostrils and they just freeze together. When I left Wisconsin, I thought I left that all behind. I thought I was done, I'm gone, I will never have to deal with that again. And it happened uh, about a week, week and a half ago. And I told my wife, she ran, she walked outside and said, breathe in through your nose, breathe in through your nose. And she, she did. And I said, see, I said, that's what I, I, I was Wisconsin growing up. When it's colder in my freezer, or when it's colder, I'm sorry, when it's colder in my, in outside than it is in my freezer, we have a problem. When my freezer is warmer than outside. I mean, at one point, my wife, she, we, she thought we were under attack. We heard boom, boom. And, and I'm like, what, what's going on? So she told me she heard that through the night. Unfortunately, I would love to take credit. Like, I got up and I went through the house and I was a warrior. But I pretty much sleep through anything. And so she told me about it the next morning. Um, and so, so uh, I... I we have a refrigerator in our garage for, like, sodas and stuff like that. Well, in my head, I'm thinking the refrigerator's keeping things climate-controlled. No, no, no. When it drops to, like, 15 below, sodas actually start exploding in your refrigerator. <laughs> I did a personal case study on it. So you paint the, I paint this picture because, you know, you, you now are washing your hands multiple times a day. Shake your head. Even if you're not, you don't want to feel awkward. That's you're washing your hands multiple times a day. You're using sanitizer when you touch something. And now you're going outside into a polar vortex. What's happening to your hands? Eventually, they start cracking and getting all dry, and then you start using hand sanitizer, and it's convenient because the sanitizer now just goes right into your bloodstream, you know? It just <laughs> kind of just flows on through. Sanitizes all my inner parts, too. So I went ahead, and I, today, don't tell me I never do nothing nice for you. I got you all a gift. And the guest relations team is handing this out right now. And so they're going to quickly, as quick as they can, make their way through the audience and I don't know how many people we have here. We might need to start with like everybody over the age of five or eight. I don't know. We'll see. But I want every, definitely every adult to get this gift. Go ahead. Feel free to open it up. Use it if you need to. If you're uncomfortable with the fact that somebody just handed you a sanitizer or handed you a lotion, you can go back to the sanitizer before you put the lotion on. The youth are holding Brother James up already. We're trying to move quickly. And the youth are like, I want a different one. I don't like this scent. It's all the same scent. I got to ask you as they're handing these out, does anyone here say, you know what? I've actually have had some really dry hands the last couple weeks. Raise your hand if that's you, all right? Look at this. Look, 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 look. We got people's spouses raising their hands for them. This is, this is, this is awesome. That's a lot of people that, that, uh, how many, uh, who, who was it that says, no, no, you don't understand. My hands are so dry right now. And it, raise your hand. All right. All right. Rachel, Rachel, you got your hand up. Okay. Have you, have you, have you put any lotion on yet? Come, yeah. Yeah. Put it on. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Come on up here. Huh. All right. I'm not going to touch your hands. I'm not going to do any of that. That's uncomfortable. Just, just go ahead and put that lotion on. So, all right. This is, this is, is this awkward or is this, okay. It is? Okay. All right. It's not for me. I'm feeling totally comfortable right now. So, so now you got your lotion on. Your, your hands are dry. 
now, did that just revolutionize your life? Did it heal every cut? Did it take care of everything where there's no more issues? No. I mean, kind of, but... No, 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 no. It's probably going to take a few more times. I want you to know this was not planned out, but she's working perfectly into my message here, but this is not planned out. She didn't know I was going to call her. Okay, thank you so much for that. So, so she said, it did not miraculously heal her hands. And without me prodding, she volunteered and said, it's probably going to take a few more times. And so I want you to know that your hands, in this case, Rachel's hands, but your hands, many of you have put them on, put the lotion on, a a healing balm has been applied, a moisturizer has been applied, but they are, as she so capably pointed out, they are not completely and totally healed. All of the cuts and the cracks, and, and right now, actually, you might even feel a little bit of a burning sensation. But that's what we want, though, isn't it? I mean, we want to go to the gym one time. And be like, you know what? I walked in 12 pounds overweight. I hit it real hard one day, and now I'm actually five pounds under. I mean, anybody figures out a way to do this, we are all millionaires. All right? We don't need no building fund. We'll just go build whatever we want, wherever we want. We'll go buy Union Station, have church there. We want one interview to nail that job. I mean, we want to walk in and be like, hey, my name is Gary. I showed up and I brought a resume. When do I start? One visit to the physical therapist. Why? Because I'm in pain. I want to walk in. I want you to fix it. I want to walk out feeling no pain. One date with that special guy or girl. And you know what? By the time the dessert rolls around, she's in love with me. We're ready to go. Well, this high-end hand moisturizer from the dollar store didn't heal my hands today. But like Rachel said, it takes, it's going to probably take a few days, right? It's going to take some time and some regular use to get the moisture back in your skin. And once it's back, you know what we often do? Why didn't I get a hand lotion? James didn't even give me one. He walked all the way to the front. He didn't give me a hand lotion. Come on. Somebody just tossed me one. Go ahead. I got lights. I got lights. Oh. Woo. I knew the youth group. If I dropped that, they were not going to, they were going to, especially my son Jude. He'd have been messing with me. He'd be like, Dad, you dropped it in front of the whole church. <laughs> Need to talk trash to me later. But, uh, you know, this, this hand moisturizer, what happens is that we often will take this. I've never in my life talked about hand moisturizer as much as I have already today. So I just want you to know I am truly a man's man, but this is just part of the message. Um, but this hand moisturizer, what we typically will do is our, we get cracks and cuts and it gets dry. And so we put this on for maybe a day or two. And now it's like a little better. And what do we do? Tell me that didn't break open and spread lotion all over the... Okay. That's typically what we, typically what we do. Like, I, I got done with it, and now it's time to put this thing back on the shelf. It did its job. I got my two days, and I'm, my hands are not as bad as they once were, and it got me through the season. And unfortunately, this is exactly how believers sometimes treat God. Life gets rough, we start to bleed a little bit, problems crack open, and we keep just trying to do what we're doing, and it hurts more, it burns, it's uncomfortable, and so then we just, I'm going to go look for a miraculous healing, 
a magical message. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to show up. I need, I need a lotion for a couple of days just to get me back on track because I've fallen. The things have cracked open, and, it's, and it burns, and it hurts. It it's causes some discomfort in my life. So I need to get to church, and hopefully pastor's got a message that's going to really hit home. I'm hoping the praise team sings my favorite song, the one that I always have to fight back tears. Because I don't like that other one they do, and I can't stand that new one. And, and that other one, they, it's so slow, and sometimes the guitar's too loud, and the drums are too loud. And, and I just know, but that one song, that's the one I like. I'm hoping they sing that one today. And then I'm going to run up to an altar, because if I run to the altar... I'll get the moisturizing I need to bring some life back to the dryness. And so if I can just get a good altar call, then I can put the lotion back on the shelf and get back to my life. And how can we can get it so clear with the hand lotion? But we seem to struggle sometimes with the walk with God. You put that picture back up of the hand lotion. Look at this. You ever notice this? This one? It's great. It says, daily moisturizing lotion, clinically proven to relieve dry skin, moisturizes for 24 hours. Guess what? I got that online, and already they've changed their marketing slogan. Can anybody read that small print? You know, if, you, if you're like me and you're over 40, don't even try. Let's let the people that are under 40 read it. <laughs> Some of you just took offense to that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I threw myself in that. What does it say? Can anybody read it? What? Healthier looking skin in one day. See, the, the moisturizers for 24 hours, that marketing slogan wasn't working. So now they said, let's change it to Healthier looking skin in one day. Healthier looking skin. Healthier. It's going to be healthier tomorrow than it is today. It, it, it still only moisturizes for 24 hours. But let's try and come at it different from people because, no, well, I don't want it 24 hours. I need something that's going to fix it overnight. So if we can say, no, 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 healthier looking skin in one day. Give me that. I want that one. I don't want that one. It's the same product. <laughs> Spoken just the, the power of advertising and marketing. Same product. Change the words. Why? Well, because what we use today, it's because it, it, this one here, what is that saying? Hey, what you use today is not good enough for tomorrow. And we don't like that. I was so proud because I exercised today. Well, guess what? Do it again tomorrow. What? <laughs> no. I want that, remember, I want to just shed a little bit of this after that one exercise. Where I work out, they actually got a thing. You can wear a heart rate monitor, and it tells you how many calories you burned while you're working out. You're just like, man, look, that number's going up. This is great. You feel so good about yourself. But if we only use this lotion one time a week, it's just a matter of time before our hands dry out again, especially in a polar vortex. We're COVID, where you're supposed to wash your hands 7,300 times a day and put sanitizer around 1,400 times a day. Anybody work healthcare? How many times a day do you guys wash your hands? If you had to guess, 50? Man, that'll do a number on some hands. It's just a matter of time before hands dry out. And if we're only connecting to God, I dump this on every Sunday morning. Your hands ain't going to be moisturized. I dump this on every Sunday morning. You know, the Lord, he tried. It's just, a, it's just a matter of time. If we live life like that, it's just a matter of time before our relationship with him dries up. And the Lord, he tried to get 
humanity to understand this. Even the Israelites, way back in the Old Testament, Exodus 16, 4, he says, the Lord says to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven. That's a good deal. Wow. I mean, think about it. They're in the middle of the wilderness. They're going from point A to point B. I'm leaving bondage, going into my promise, but I'm in the middle of nowhere. So if you start raining down filet mignons, I'm going to grab me some. And God says, well, just take one. <laughs> I'm at an all-you-can-eat buffet. It's all over the place. I ain't taking one. I'm going to grab one now. Sometimes when I go to a steakhouse, I like to get a bigger steak. And so notice, notice how I'm tying in like the weight-gaining jokes with the food. And yeah, so I, I, but I get a bigger steak because I want to take the leftovers and I slice it. Have you ever have a filet mignon sliced up real thin and you put it in a steak quesadilla the next day? I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm anointed, right? I might not be in the word, but I'm anointed right now. You slice that up real thin, so I'll get me a bigger one so I can have some for tomorrow. That's kind of the way we think as human beings. Well, that's the way they thought too. The Lord says, hey, you tell the people, go out and get as much food as they need for that day. I'll test them to see whether or not they follow my instructions. God tests us, Absolutely. I want to be mightily used of God. Well, if you want to get to that point, just you need to obey the first thing, the simple things he gives us first. And so he goes on in verse 19. Moses told him, don't keep any of it until morning. Man, I'm out. There goes my steak quesadilla. But some of them didn't listen. Shocking. And then it was full of maggots. And had a terrible smell, and Moses was angry with them. I, I don't know, was he angry with them because they failed God, or was he angry with them because now the whole camp smells like nasty food, and there's maggots everywhere? Anybody have their garbage in the heat sometimes? You open that up, and you're like, I don't remember eating rice this last week. <laughs> I love messages that you can feel. You're feeling this right now. You're experiencing the message. You're using your five senses right now. At least I didn't put a picture of maggots up there, only because I didn't think of it in advance. <laughs> the Israelites had left Egypt, and they're in the middle of nowhere, so their head is like, this makes sense. There's food everywhere. We got a family of five, family of four back then, maybe a family of 24, I don't know. And so they'd say, let's gather it all up. We got food tonight. We're going to have this tomorrow. It's going to be great. If he brings more, we'll keep storing it up. But God said, no. You wake up, man, I thought the shelf life on this was a lot longer than just overnight. It's Things. There's maggots everywhere. Imagine that, waking up in your tent. Imagine the smell and maggots everywhere. Oh. Why? Because God says, start sending a manna daily. And notice he tells them, take enough for today. But some people wouldn't listen. They thought they had a great idea. But God was trying to teach them and show them something. They had been in, in Egypt. They had been Egypt, even though they were so the, the taskmasters and everything, Egypt made sure they had the leeks and the onions and they had food to eat. And so they had been used to someone else providing. Yes, they were slaves. Yes, they were in bondage. But they had someone else providing things. And so in their head, they're like, wow, I need to keep making sure because now we're out of that place. I got to make sure that I'm covered. And God is like, no, 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 I'm taking you on a journey. We're going to a place of promise. But step one is you have got to learn to trust me to be your provider. And here we are thousands and thousands of years later. And humanity is still struggling to trust God to be their provider. When the paycheck comes, God calls for the tithe. Yeah, but... If I store this up, I can get this because I got these other bills coming. And God says, are you going to trust me to be your provider? Or did you want to go ahead and try and handle it? And so for them, they, they, they oh, we need to store it up. We need to get it all. We need to get it all set. And God teaches them a lesson right off the bat. He says, no, no, no. You are not your own provider. It's all going to be spoiled overnight. So listen to what I told you to do in the first place. 
That's why when I always tell people when it comes to tithes, I would rather have 90% that is blessed by God than 100% that is cursed. And so God was trying to teach them something. Here's what he wanted. Come to me every single day, and I will always take care of you. It's interesting. He calls the disciples, Jesus, what does he do? Don't worry about your food. Don't worry about your clothing. I'm going to take care of you. Step one of walking with God is always, can you trust me with small things before we move on to bigger? Always. And so God, he never, hear me, this might be the best thing. God never wanted his people throughout all of time, including us, he never wanted his people to walk with him based on yesterday's blessings. God never wanted his people to walk with him based on yesterday's blessings. And so Lamentations 3.23, it says, great is thy faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every single morning. I'm not just saying, I don't wake up and go, God, thank you for what you did last Tuesday, Lord. God, thank you so much, Lord Jesus, about, I remember last year we had a great service, God, and, and I think it was like March or April, and I just want to thank you today for that service. Although I am grateful for that service, I'm going, Lord, if you did it in March, April, I'm not living in the past. I am thankful that today I can experience your mercy every single day, fresh, every morning that I wake up. But just like this bottle of hand lotion, it's calling for daily use. That's why Jesus says, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Here's the Lord's Prayer. And in part of that, in Matthew 6, 11, he says, give us this day our daily bread. He was referencing all the way back to the Old Testament and the manna and the daily bread that God provided. He knew the law. He knew the Old Testament. He knew the Torah. And so he references all the way back to his followers. He says, hey, this is how you pray. God, give me this day my daily bread. Because Lord, I'm not just trying to store up enough of you to get me through this week. Every single day I want to be in your presence. But what happens in churches is we think we can get enough manna on Sunday. Oh, man, manna on Sunday. I'm going to get me myself up to this altar, and I'm going to get all my manna. Take this with me. I got me a whole bucket full of manna. I'll see you all next Sunday. Well, maybe not, depending on how my week goes. I might see you a few weeks from now. Because I stored up. Man, I had a great altar call today. I love, they sang my favorite song. Pastor's message was all right, but it, it got me through. And then I went to the altar and I felt Jesus and I had two people pray with me. I'm set. So I, I'll see you in a few weeks. I got my manna. It's going to carry me through. But all God's principles say, give me this day. My daily bread try and store this up for later, you're going to find maggots and it's going to stink. So sometimes we make commitments to God, right? Oh, God, I'm never going to do this. Anybody ever make that mistake? Lord, I never, I promise you I will never do this. Anybody ever make that commitment before? How'd it go? And then we're like, Lord, I know, I just promised you I'd never do it. And it was like 35 minutes ago, God, but. <laughs> we promised we'd avoid certain things, and then we get, ah. Somewhere along the line, maybe our spirit, it just dried out a little bit. Because, man, we experienced the, the, the moisture of the Holy Ghost. We experienced the, the tears and speaking in tongues, right? It's just, oh, God, crying out, feeling his presence, the goosebumps. Oh, God, it was so good to be in your presence. But then we set it up on a shelf. And somewhere along the line in this journey, we dried out. We dried out. We stopped taking per proper precautions to prepare ourselves for the upcoming seasons. 
And when Jesus asked about, he was, his disciples asked him about the end times, the last days, and Jesus began to rattle off some signs to look for, evidence to, to keep your eye out that it's the, really the last days. And, and look at one of the things where he started, that he says when he started. He, he looks at Matthew 24, 12, he says, sin's going to be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. Kind of like a season, you know. We're already, we're already dreaming about summer. Well, some of us are. There's some of you oddballs that like this polar vortex stuff. <laughs> I knew if I was ever going to be a betting man, I knew David Huey was going to go woohoo right there. <laughs> I hate that polar vortex. My, pol my, my palm tree that I planted did not come in yet. And so, you look at this, he says, hey, you want to know a sign of the end times? Here's what it is. Sin's going to be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. What does it mean to grow cold? It didn't, it, to, to me, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here. Well, correct me later because it would be awkward right now. But if you say it's going to grow cold, doesn't that kind of insinuate that at some point it wasn't cold? That at some point, that was, it was hot. It was on fire. At some point, there was a difference and there was a shift that took place because the love of many people, it's going to grow or get to a place where it's cold. The season of their lives and their relationship with God is going to shift from a place of warmth to cold. That's a sign that you're living in the last days, he says. The love of many will grow cold. And then you flip back to the book of prophecy and you look at the last book of the Bible, how everything ends up, what's going to happen, the book of Revelation. But before John gets into all of the prophetic writings and the details about, you know, I saw a beast with four heads coming out of the water. And we're like, And then people preach messages on it and they're like, God, here's what it is. And I'm like, man, the Bible didn't say that, but... It's kind of tough sometimes to understand. And the beast is this, and the four heads came up out of here. And then I had this vision, and you're trying to kind of make sense because John was getting this vision from God. And so he's trying to write down what God was telling him to say. And no doubt, we can find some knowledge and glean some things in there. The book of Revelation is powerful, but sometimes there's some things that are a little difficult to understand. But before John gets into all that... He starts with his letter to seven churches. And look what he says. Seven churches of Asia Minor. And each church, he, except for I think one, he offers both commendations and condemnations. Hey, you're doing some things really well. No doubt that's any church. If we brought some church expert in here to evaluate what we're... No doubt they'd have a list. Oh, you guys do this well, you do... But guess what? They'd have a couple things to say, you know what? You're not doing this so well. And so John writes this letter to the churches, and he's, he writes one specifically to the church in Ephesus, the Ephesian church. And he, here's what it says in a, a Revelation 2.1. He says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Is there really an angel of our church? Interesting. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. Well, in, in Revelation, the seven gold lampstands are the seven churches. Who's the one that's walking among the churches? Jesus, man, that's powerful. And he says, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I have, I have been working hard. Thank you. Yes, as a matter of fact, I've been very patient. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We are a bunch of hard workers around here. He says, and I know you don't tolerate evil people. You better believe that. <laughs> we don't, no, no, no. They ain't going to sit around here. You have examined the claims of who say they are apostles but are not. Yes, we love the doctrine. We are apostolic. We love the apostles. We're apostolic. And we're hard workers and we're patient. We don't tolerate evil. We are doing a lot. Well, I appreciate Jesus, thank you for noticing. And I know you don't tolerate them and you have discovered they're liars. Yeah, we know how to tell truth around here. Thank you. 
man, we're doing a lot right. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. What can I say? Yeah, thank you. Thanks for noticing. We're suffering around here, but we ain't quitting. We ain't quitters. We love truth. We discern truth. We don't tolerate evil people. We work hard. Man, Jesus, thank you for coming today and noticing these things. This is great. Sounds like a rocking church to me, doesn't it? I know you're smart enough to know I'm walking you into something. Sounds like a rocking church. This was a church that when you walked through the doors, you knew their, their church. Like, they got it together. Seasoned and solid believers who know truth, love the apostolic way, work hard, probably serving in multiple ministries. But then Jesus says, but I have a complaint against you. You don't love me or each other like you used to. You're hard workers. You discern truth. Don't tolerate evil people. You don't quit. You endure. But I got a problem. The love of many will grow cold. What happened to us? What happened to me and you? What happened to our time? Did we get so busy serving in ministries that we forgot to love him and love others? Can I really get so busy that I'm serving you, but I no longer love you? Man, they did a ton of things right. But in all doing that, they had gotten so good at going through the motions, working hard for the Lord, and somehow fell out of love with him. Church, is it possible? That, is it really possible that we can work so hard and serve in so many ministries and do so much, but somehow fall out of love with Jesus? Can we actually value the work for him more than we do him. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? They were just trying to trick him. There's 613 commandments. No matter what, he's just going to walk himself into a problem. But he says, yeah, you know what? I'll tell you. All the law and prophets come to these two commandments in Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus said, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and all your mind. He said, the second's just like it. Matthew 22, 39, he says, the second, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets come down to that love God and love people. And that Ephesian church in the book of Revelation that did so many things right forgot the whole crux of the entire message. Jesus says the whole 613 commands, it comes down to this. Love God, love people. Vertical, horizontal. Vertical, horizontal. Vertical, horizontal. So when you're in here and you say, well, I love God. I love the church. I'm here. I'm just not doing any of this. I'm not serving. I'm not going to serve people. I'm not going to go to a small group. I'm not. I don't need nobody else. I'm by myself. You got vertical down. You're missing horizontal. It's God, he says, the whole thing, 613 commands, love God, love people, love God, love people. Ephesian church, guys, you love truth, you tolerate, you don't tolerate evil, you discern, you love the apostolic way, you work hard, you serve ministry, you do all these great things, but I have a condemnation, I have one thing against you. You forgot what I said at the very beginning. What happened to loving me and loving people? Can it really be that simple? 
They looked religious, but they missed the message. And so what does Jesus do? Like he always does, what I'm so thankful for, is he does not just say, so you're a knucklehead, see ya. Anybody ever comes up and gives you a word from the Lord at an altar and condemns you and leaves you no hope, it's not a word from God. Because it's not the way God ever operates. From the beginning of time, Adam and Eve, Cain, just do well, you're accepted. He, he always, he will bring the fault forward. He will call out the sin, but then he says, go and sin no more. He leaves hope for the future. And so here he says, yeah, you guys lost somewhere along the line. Out of all the things you're doing well, you lost the most important thing. And then he says in the next verse, verse uh, 5, I think it is, 2-5, Revelation 2-5. Look how far you've fallen. Imagine Jesus saying that to you. Look how far you've fallen. Because obviously at one point they did love God and love people. Look how far you've fallen. But he says, turn back. Turn back to me. What's another beautiful word that we use? Repent. 180, you, somewhere you were just at an altar, but you got your fill, you got your manna, you walked out, and you served, and you worked hard, and you stood for truth. You felt so good, but you walked away from the altar. He says, turn back and come and say, God, give me this day my daily bread. Turn back. Come back. And he says, turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Can we actually get to the place where we've served God? I never, ever, ever, I love it. I, I look, oh, what's, what Pentecostal, are you third generation, fifth generation, seventh generation? Oh, bless God, my great, great, great grandpa. Walk this way and God, the Holy Ghost at a camp meeting. And I love that. We need people like that that understand godly heritage. But I never want to pastor a church that is void of first generation believers. I never want to pastor a church. If you're here and saying, I don't really fit in with some of these people. I don't look like them. I don't act like them. I don't worship like them. Listen, I am so thankful to God for you. I am so thankful to God for you. Because I don't... I, I, I want to see new people walking in these doors every single day, every single day, every single time we get together. I want new people walking in there saying, man, I don't know where I'm at in this journey, but I'm just, I just want Jesus. Listen, we're going to walk this journey with you, okay? And so he says, if you don't, he says, if you don't turn back to me, do what you did at first. Because sometimes when we, 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 we should never forget that first prayer of repentance, those first tears that streamed down our cheeks, that first time we stepped in that warm, clean water, that first time that somebody said, I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. And we came up out of that water and we spoke in tongues. We felt the spirit of God upon us. And we just wanted to tell everybody about how our lives were changed. And he delivered me and he set me free. And, and, and oh, God gave me a vision. And oh, I just want to do this and, and there was a fire inside of you that was lit but at some point love grew cold and so now we get to the point where sometimes we're like what are you talking about I love this apostolic way I serve in seven ministries I'm here every week when the doors are open I do these things and and, and yep yep be, here's the commendations yes you love truth and you don't tolerate evil people and evil ways and you, and you work hard and you endure but what about me you're so busy working for me. We don't communicate very much. What happened to the love that we had? Turn back. Repent. Do the things that you once did at first.
get back to that stuff. Because if you don't, in spite of all of the work you're doing and all the love for doctrine that you have, without a love for me, you're not part of the church. What? I can go to church and be in church and work in church and do these things and not be a part of the church? Well, not the church that Jesus called us to because he said it comes down to this. Love me with everything you have and love other people. And so if somewhere we messed that up and we got so busy doing all these things, we can never be too busy to get back to an altar. We learned that with Mary and Martha. She was so frustrated. No, no, no. We got to carve out time to sit at the feet of Jesus. I'll never forget as I wrap up today. Anybody hear of that old Christian group, Avalon? <laughs> a couple of you, some of you don't, you don't want to admit it. But they had a song entitled First Love. And as I was in a key moment of transitioning from being a knucklehead teenager and trying to say, God, I need, my, I need to get my priorities right, this song would speak to me because I never wanted to lose my first love. And the words said, I used to be the one who would long to hear your voice. We have the words for it if you can display them. A child who sought to win his father's heart. But as I carried on, I wish I had a great voice because I can hear the, the song in my head and the, he sings it so well and I want to sing it, but then it would just destroy everything that I'm trying to accomplish here. He says, as I carried on, life got a hold of me, on me and now here I am, a son so far from home. And the chorus says, tell me, when did I lose my first love? Where did the fire and passion go? Burn in me your holy fire. Give me back my lost desire and restore in me the love I felt for you. And then he said, can I remember how it felt? Actually, a woman sings this part. When they looked into my face and they saw the love of Jesus in my eyes. When I look back on my life and question where I've been, can I really say that I've done my best for you? Tell me, when did I lose my first love? Where did the fire and passion go? Burn in me your holy fire. Give me back my lost desire and restore in me the love I felt for you. And then in verse 3, it says, Father, take me back. Let me start again. Lord, I've failed and I've fallen in my pride. Lead me back to you where my life began. Revive in me the yearning that has died. Tell me, when did I lose my first love? Where did the fire and passion go? Burn in me your holy fire. Give me back my lost desire and restore in me the love I felt for you. Church, if you stand to your feet today, I'll never forget the lyrics to this song because I never wanted to lose my first love. Sometimes we serve in ministry so long, we preach and sing and teach Sunday school and work in technology and guest relations. We do these things. We serve, 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 serve. And we give, 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 give. That one day, if we're not careful, we wake up and we're like, I'm not in love with you anymore, Jesus. I've worked hard for you and I love this apostolic doctrine and I never intended for this to happen. But somewhere along the line, I lost my first love. Somewhere along the line, I did so much and worked so hard that I just, I got away from the altar. And Jesus is going, maybe that's why Paul said, you know, I don't want to preach to everybody else and I myself be a castaway. I read that and I'm like, you're crazy, man. Like, of course you're not going to be a castaway. But he understood the real danger of working so hard and preaching to everyone else and being a castaway himself. And so he was aware of it. Jesus, he says, repent, come back, get back here. There's a lesson to be learned from winter hands.
lotion says it's a daily moisturizer. It's only good for 24 hours or it'll dry out. So church, don't let it dry out. Don't just use it to get you through a season and put it back on a shelf. Sign of the end times is that the love of many will grow cold. Seasons will change. But even in the cold seasons, there has to be something that fans the flame again. That a church who says, you know what? I got to learn how to minister, how to love people, how to reach out, how to do this. But in the midst of all that, I cannot stop loving you. I cannot get so busy that I forget the whole reason that I started serving was not because the church needed someone or because pastor pressured me to do it. I started serving because you served and you grabbed a towel and you washed feet and you did these things. And so God, I wanted to be a servant because when I was filled with your spirit and you changed my life, I was a part of this body and this family. And so I wanted to get in. I wanted to serve because I love you, because I serve you. I don't want to lose the fact that when I run a vacuum or when I sing a song or when I work in technology, it's not just because, well, bless God, I got to do, do this again. But I serve because I love you. Because when I fell in love with you, you changed something in me. And I wanted to reflect that, not just in the four walls of the church, but when I walk outside that the song says that someone could see the love of Jesus in my eyes. And so, God, I'm so sorry you called me to repentance this morning. And I'm here to repent. Forgive me for losing my first love. Forgive me that somewhere it became about schedules and structure and teams. And that somewhere along the line, I just stopped crying and saying, I love you. I want to be with you. I want to hear your voice. I want you to use my life to bring glory to your name, God. Help me, Jesus, to never lose my first love, to never lose the fire and the passion that you put inside of me, Jesus. Church, I invite you to find a place to pray. And if you're in love with Jesus and you're doing great, please pray with someone else. But if this is you and saying, man, I think he's talking to me, then do what Jesus said. Return to the things you once knew. Come back. Repent. Turn back to me as your first love. I love it that he still gives us hope. He doesn't say it's over. He doesn't say it's, it's the end. But if we're a part of his church then we got to understand it comes down to love God and love people. Love God and love people.